I'm Raina, compulsive overeater, and I do what you all do. Uh, I weigh and measure three meals a day off the gray sheet. I write them down. I turn them over to my sponsor, and I don't eat no matter what. And gray sheet is the foundation of my life. It is the most important thing I do for myself to keep myself sane every day. And um, I, um, I'll spend the first five trying to give you an idea of my history. I come from, uh, I was born in New York City. I was born in the Bronx and I um, born to a lower middle class family. Um, I was the only child. <clears throat> my mother had um, had this disease. She had the disease of alcoholism. Um, actively drinking throughout my childhood. I don't remember a time when she wasn't. Uh, bottles hidden all over the house. And um, it was it was an uncomfortable and frightening time in my life. And the only thing that I found comforting was um, going into the kitchen and hitting the refrigerator or uh, the cupboard for something to eat. That was my only uh, consolation in a pretty unhappy situation. Um, we lived in a three room apartment, one bedroom. My mother slept in the living room. My father slept in the bedroom. I slept in the bedroom as well, but I slept in on the other side of the room. It was just an uncomfortable situation and not, not the kind of, kind of situation a child should grow up in. Um, my parents did the best they could. I will say that. And, uh, you know, despite the fact that it was a lot of dysfunction, a lot of dysfunction. And um, unfortunately, my mother was the kind of person that when she drank excessively, she'd get sick. So there was lots of trips to the hospital, lots of chaos, the ambulance in front of the house, them dragging her out, uh, hemorrhaging all over the apartment. You know, it's just a lot of nightmarish things when I was a kid. And, um, you know, she did the best she could. She was, she was a, a wonderful woman when she was sober, but that wasn't very often. You know, that's not my memory anyway, but um, she taught me a lot. She taught me a love of art. And um, originally I was going to be a designer, a dress designer and uh, costume designer. And I really <laughs> didn't like sewing. So, you know, to not like sewing and be a dress designer just kind of wasn't going to work. But I did love to draw. I love to draw. And that was another escape for me. You know, I remember spending I'd, I'd take a, we'd have an, we had a set of encyclopedias and I remember taking an encyclopedia, going in the bathroom and spending hours in the bathroom, sitting on the toilet and just like looking through the magazines, looking through the, I'm sorry, the encyclopedia for interesting things to, to learn about. And um, I take my drawing pages in there, my paper, and I would just draw for hours in the bathroom just to escape both my mother and my father, you know, and um, it was kind of a the, the solace. And um, I also used to go into the bathroom and spend a lot of time eating. I remember um, sneaking uh, carbohydrates under my shirt and taking them in the bathroom and eating them in the bathroom where nobody was going to judge me because there was a lot of judgment um, when I was in the sixth grade. Uh, I got a letter was sent home to my mother that um, obesity was a problem. I think I weighed about 195 pounds in the sixth grade. And uh, so off we go to the doctor and off. What do we do? Uh, you know, when you're um, 11 years old and, and uh, it's the 1960s. So, boom, I wind up uh, taking diet pills. So um, there I am, 11 years old, taking diet pills, going through 
I don't even know that. I, I think I probably went through puberty about the same time. So I was a mess, you know, um, but I did lose weight. And because I lost the weight, I felt like I was more normal. And um, everything was everything that I considered normal was based on being a normal weight. And I never was a normal weight. I'd stay normal for, I don't know, five minutes. And then I was off to the races again, because once I got normal, then I thought I could eat normally. And once I thought I could eat normally, well, you know what the result is. And I was not a, I was not a 20 or a 30 pound gainer. I was a hundred pound gainer. And, um, and that was my, that was my pass, you know, all through junior high school, I was the biggest kid in the class all through high school, biggest kid in the class did a lot of, um, in addition to any kind of diet pills I could get, I was also doing a lot of, um, smoking pot and, um, and just, you know, overeating like crazy. And, um, when I was 16, that was five, Raina, that was five. Thanks, hon. Um, I wound up, um, my, my mother passed away. She was 50 years old. She died of alcoholism and it was me and my dad. And I was kind of wild and crazy. Once I, once my mother was out of the picture and my father was working and he had his own life, I was like wild and crazy. So a lot of drugs started to enter my life and I wound up in, I got into college. I went to FIT in New York city and, um, still studying art and illustration was the, was the uh, area I stayed in. And I wound up um, doing very well um, in school, despite the fact that I was cutting class like crazy, smoking pot in the bathroom, sitting in a cafeteria, carbohydrates and pot. That was kind of my not, you know, 17, 18, 19 kind of years. And uh, that graduates that graduated to heavier drugs. And as I started working, we, in, we got introduced to heavier drugs. We got introduced to um, more sophisticated diet pills because I like speed. I liked getting high. I enjoyed it. And I found that any escape was better than life as I was living it, you know, and um, my weight was fluctuating somewhere between two, 240 to 50, you know, that kind of thing. And um, I wound up working, doing well in, in, in my career, despite the fact that I was overweight. Um, I did well. And the more money I made, the more sophisticated the drugs became. Um, I wound up in my mid-20s uh, at a department store in New York City, Bloomingdale's, for those of you who are familiar with stuff, that store. Um, I was an art director at Bloomingdale's, making nice money, doing drugs like crazy, Studio 54, drugs and whatnot. It was... It was a crazy time and it was a time for people to be compulsive and, and um, into addiction. It was perfectly okay to be, you know, into addiction big time. And I was right there with them. Um, I was 27 years old. I was told I was about two, 240, 250. And I got, I got a, um, I got some advice from somebody to go to this church and uh, it was going to be different than anything I'd ever see, heard before. It wasn't a doctor. It was just a, a group of people and that I should sit and listen. And I walked into my first OA meeting. And that was 1977. And um, I was in and out of OA. I, I had a year of success. Um, I dated while I was in OA, another man in OA. And 
that was my first mistake. And um, we lived together for a year. And I thought I died and went to heaven because it was like so normal. We lived together. It was great. We would, we would go to meetings together. And then he decided that I shouldn't be in his life anymore. And the way I dealt with that was to walk away from the program completely. And um, then it took me, I guess, about a year or so, maybe maybe longer to finally go back to OA again and go to other meetings. And, you know, I was over him at that point. And um, but in the interim, I had gained all the way back and I wound up. Um, I wound up crawling back, but I just couldn't get it. I just I needed more than regular OA was going to provide me. I needed more structure. Um, I needed more. And um, those people that were successful in OA at that time were doing gray sheet. They weren't doing it the way we do it, but they were doing a form of gray sheet, which meant no carbohydrates whatsoever because there was a sensitivity issue. And I just couldn't. I couldn't even think about going on gray sheet. There were other food plans. I was staying on those food plans. I was not giving up my carbohydrates. I was just learning to be normal with them. And as we well know, I can't be normal with anything because I couldn't be normal even with what, what I was being given. I was taking everything that I could take in, in excess. So I wound up, um, I, I think it, we got to 1985. And then I finally found, I got a phone call from somebody in the community who said to me, you should really go check this meeting out. And I went to my first gray sheet meeting and I walked into a room of thin, beautiful, young, um, committed women who um, stood up and said the mantra and said that they didn't eat no matter what and said that they took their scale with them in a bag and they took it with them to wherever they went, restaurants, dinner parties. Um, Five minutes uh, left, Rena. Five minutes left. Okay, okay. Catered affairs, everything. And I thought, oh my God, these people are crazy. I don't want to do this. But I did it. And I did it for a while and I lost the weight. And the red carpet rolled out in my life and I got the big job in Connecticut and I wound up moving to Connecticut. They, they gave me a big loan and I got the, got the big house and I, got, I had the husband who I met actually at my very first meeting. And I had the two dogs and I thought I had the life. I thought I had the life. I thought I was normal. And it didn't take me long to gain 100 pounds because I left the program because I left to go to Connecticut. And it took me another four or five years to crawl back and find out that there was in fact a gray sheet meeting in Connecticut. And I spent the rest of my time uh, learning about honesty, learning about surrender, learning about, learning about what it takes, excuse me, let me just get rid of this person and to, um, I, I finally found a slow but steady uh, realization that what I was doing was just never going to work, that uh, I needed to have the structure that Gracie provided. I needed to um, stay away from carbohydrates of, in any form because they were going to set a craving up and I was going to be off to the races. Once that craving kicked in, I was someone else. I became that addict 
And it was just nobody stopping me. So I went on the food plan again. I got the most loving sponsor. I struggled and I struggled. As I said, I came into my first gray sheet meeting in 1985. I finally got the abstinence that I currently have, which I'm so incredibly grateful for uh, in 2005. So there was 20 years there of resistance, dishonesty, um, anger, wishing I was normal, trying to sneak extra some things, but it wasn't going to work. And it didn't work. Every time I thought I could do it, I was proven wrong. And um, I finally um, left the company that I was working for. I was I had a huge job in New York City in a major department store. I was a vice president and I was 55 and they let me go. And off I went, no job. I was sitting home in this big house in Connecticut. And I thought, if I don't do something with myself, I'll just like, I will like, I don't know what I'll do. So I wound up going to AA meetings every morning, 7.30. I was at that church, at that meeting. And when I wasn't at AA meetings, I was at Gray Sheet meetings in Connecticut. And that's how I got that abstinence that I really needed. I put that first in my life. And um, it made the difference. It made me see where I, I was dishonest, see where I needed to get better, where I needed to um, surrender, where I needed to make phone calls, where I needed to get humble. And uh, then I guess about four years ago, um, uh, I went to a retreat and I, um, I finally um, got the one piece that I needed to get, which was a spiritual connection, which I was sort of very much on the fence about. And I found out that um, there was a book that I could read that could give me some instruction, you know, because I need instruction. I need instruction with my food. I need instruction and limits. Very, um, very committed to this program. And I know that I've gotten through all of that because, um, because of my relationship with my, my higher power, because of my strength with all of you, with all of the uh, connections I make on Zoom. So I'm, I'm uh, before I go on for another 10 minutes, which I shouldn't be doing, I will uh, shut up now and say thank you for listening. And uh, we're abstinent no matter what. Thanks. Bye.